Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes. October 1st, we smash it 10 yards tonight. A buck we call Pickles. A south wind pushing us back to the zag. Better stand on our backs. Set it Set it out and see what happens. You want it? Huh? That's air going out of me. Absolutely drilled in. And boom, you said good buck. We'll get my buck, and then we're gonna go get homie's buck. Urban, urban piece as hell. Got him. Pickles is dead. Kevin Gates, both kills on hanging hunts. My first public land buck. Nice work, dude. Triple brow on the right. I'm digging that. Fucked out October 28th. Absolutely incredible season. Here we go. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Five years of saying the exact same line coming in your ear holes. And you guys are still here taking it like absolute champions. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't lying. All right. Well, we got Trey Pritchard on the line. He reached out. Uh, guys killed nine bucks, multiple different states the last three years. Um, been filming a um, ton of success, but uh, we're doing a little uh, little episode for the PA boys, the Eastern boys this week. Uh, we're talking about bucking out in PA three years in a row. Uh, really cool story. Three different kind of strategies, three different kind of layouts of bucks. And they pre uh, they got bigger as he went along the three years, which I thought was cool too. Um, but a really cool guy and uh, avid listener, so appreciate him reaching out and uh, wanting to come on the show. We're gonna get into the people that make this possible. We'll get right in it. Yeah, you got Exodus. Yeah, guys. So uh, you wearing that shirt, dude? Those I know, shirts are dude, dude. crispy, it, it bro. Is. I love it. I love I it. I bought two at Iowa, and I was like, "Should have bought four. Yeah, I got, four. I got two. I was like, "Man, a third one would be really nice." Yeah, yeah. Um, so, guys, again, I'm gonna go over this deal from Exodus right now. Seven year sale. Um, 
If you're somebody that's been following the brand for the last seven years and been hung up on trying one of their reliable cameras, um, now is the time to do it. So we got a special campaign going on right now until June 13th. So you guys still got two weeks left here. You're going to be able to use code YEAR7 and save 20% off the entire Exodus website. That's going to include the Borderline Bulletproof Exodus Render Indie any render bundle in the SP Solar panel. Um, also, some new merch that they um, have been throwing out here. So, if you guys aren't familiar with the product line, the render is their Verizon 4G LTE camera, and it provides some of the fastest transmission times out there on the market. And on top of that, it's about as user friendly as it gets, and it flat out works when it matters most. So, um, if you're not also familiar with the Exodus Advantage, um, there's three things. Got five-year no BS warranty. That's huge. Also, five-year theft and damage coverage. And also, the best-in-class customer service that we talk about on here all the time. So, now's the time to really yeah. get in and um, get to experience the Exodus render for you guys. And also, coming up, we're going to be getting into Velvet Fest with the Exodus guys here. That's coming up. Um, in July, and don't forget, code YEAR7 for 20% off of the Exodus website. Link will be in the description of this show. Yeah, make sure and follow their uh, their socials. They always give away some sweet stuff during Double Fest, um, so that'll be coming up real quick here. Uh, let's get into ride-on optics. Well, we talk about the scopes. We talk about the binos. We talk, talk about the spotting scopes. Um, they also have scope accessories. They have or all you know, all accessories. They have muzzle brakes, flash killers, um, scope mounts, scope rings, um, rails for your pistols, rail for your ARs, mounting kits. It's a one-stop uh, one shop there. Uh, and if you got a lifetime scope and the rings break, then you're like, man, I got to buy rings. But not if you have right on rings. You got It's all backed by that same lifetime warranty. Your rail wears out, um, it breaks, whatever backed by lifetime warranty um, a lot of times when you do break a, a scope the rings do break you you thread out a, a scope you know you, you're backing the screw in and out and you thread it out it's backed by lifetime warranty you ain't got to worry about it all um, you can check them out at rideonoptics.com that's it that it let's get into all the right, show brother it. all right let's get into the show all right we got trey pritchard on the line how you doing tonight man I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate you reaching out to us and uh, kind of sharing what you've done over the past few years with us. And uh, you said, hey, if you ever need a, I think you said, if you ever need to fill a spot or you need someone short notice, I'm like, man, this is a, this is a main intro course for us. <laughs> <laughs> this, is our, this is our main on, entree for, uh, for our podcast, but uh, appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You, uh, I think I found you guys. I was on a flight and I saw like one of the legends of the woods and I was like, ah, this will pass the time on the flight. And then I started listening to it and I was like, yeah, I can get with this. Yeah. Now I'm pretty, pretty sure I've listened to every episode. So nice. Well, I appreciate that dude. Yeah. Legend of the woods series is an idea we had like three years ago and we just keep going with it. And most of the time it's when either of us find a buck that we really want to know the story of, and we just see a picture on social media we have to like run down the guy, but a lot of times they got like a magazine deal or <laughs> they want to release it on a, you know, a show before they tell the story, which is understandable. 
So we have to wait. Like I got, I got some on the line right now in the bank for when they can come back, you know, and then I just, I'll hit them in six months and say, Hey, you good to go. <laughs> and then go from there. But did you see my, uh, my, what I started on TikTok, homie? Uh, no, I started, I have like 17 drafts of every legend of the woods episode, trail cam picks, breakdown of it of all the deer and I'm going to do like a series on there of videos, kind of like what you did with the bucks we chase, but yeah. with legend of the wood. Nice. So that that's starting to come out today, but Good. all right, Trey, we'll let the listeners know a little bit about you and then we'll get right into this. Yeah. So I'm from a small town Pennsylvania, um, much middle of nowhere. Uh, I'm 25 and, uh, just love on whitetails. Uh, I ate up with it pretty much all my life, but last like three or four years, it's been just pretty much all I can think about. Um, that's pretty much it, man. I played college baseball, so that took up a lot of time. And since that ended, it's just trying to get out in the woods. Nice. Well, the reason we wanted to have you on is you've been killing. Well, you said you killed nine nine deer in the last three years, right? Nine bucks in the last three yeah, years. Nine bucks in the last three years, which is incredible roll. But um well hold on. Let, let me let me clarify here. Three <laughs> bucks in PA. Yeah, three bucks in PA. Yeah, one buck states. I'm I'm not out here like slaughtering nine bucks <laughs> in PA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me just throw that yeah. out there. Yeah. But uh, the main reason we wanted to have you on was uh to talk about your PA bucks. You know, it's a single buck state, um, and you're killing, you know, old older age class, big deer for PA, um, year after year after year. So you got something going on, something a little different that you're doing. So we just want to pick your brain about PA hunting and, uh, let you share the story of, you know, the last three years up there. So wherever you want to start, just go ahead and rip it off. And so I guess we'll start with the first one. Cause you know, that would make the most sense. Um, so after I graduated at school, um, I had to move to Washington, DC. Um, so I graduated in June, moved down to DC and, uh, I'm pretty sure my dad and my best friend felt, felt bad for me because I was living in the city and hating life pretty much. Um, so I wasn't home a lot in the summer, so I couldn't scout, couldn't hang stands, couldn't do anything like that. So, um, my dad, and my best friend just kind of did all the work for me, to be honest. Um, I was lucky enough to grow up. We don't own any of the land that we hunt. It's all permission or, you know, we have two out of state leases, but everything in PA is just knock on door permission. And, uh, they, they got a stand set up for me and I went home night before opening day. And, uh, first story is pretty, pretty simple. I went home night before hung out with them, went out the next morning and, uh, I shot, I shot an eight point about 15 minutes into legal light opening morning. Um, and then I had to go back down to DC the next day. So kind of a welcome <laughs> home party, but that one, that one was pretty, uh, pretty simple. Um, I, I didn't have any history with that buck whatsoever. Like I said, they, they kind of did all the, the scouting and everything with that one. But um, the next two years got really interesting. So same job, but I moved back home. Um, and this was the year that really kind of changed my outlook on whitetails in general. Uh, PA is really tough as far as, you know, out in the Midwest, I feel like there's a lot more farms that are, you know, 300, 400 acres. 
where I'm from, like a 40, 50 acre piece is big. Um, so it's really hard to develop history with deer for a couple of reasons. One, because if a deer's on your property, probably 10 of your neighbors also have that deer on camera. Um, and the other thing is like, we're not really known for big bucks. So, you know, a buck gets a two and a half, he's getting shot. So it's hard to develop that history when everybody's just, you know, if we have APRs, so if it has to have at least three on one side, if it's got three on one side, doesn't matter if it's a one-sided three point, it's getting shot at some point. Um, so it's really hard to develop that history. And summer of 2020, um, I got this bachelor group of three bucks that were all just absolute studs. Um, <clears throat> I know you guys like to name deer. Uh, my best friend's really into coming up with like creative names, really making them cool. I hate it. So as a joke, I just come up with the dumbest names possible. Um, so you got like Daryl, you got Lee, just stupid names. So I got this bachelor group of three and, uh, first time in my life that I was like, you know, what? like I'm killing that deer. Like I'm going to chase that deer. And uh, so 2020 came around and I had this bachelor group of three every single day, about 10 o'clock in the morning in daylight, cameras about 20 yards from my stand. And I was like, opening morning, I'm killing again. Like two years in a row, opening morning, I'm killing a buck. And uh, opening day rolls around, still had them on camera. And I sat until noon, opening morning and didn't see a deer. And never got that bachelor group on camera again. So it just kind of, you know, there was that shift in like summer pattern to fall pattern. And it just so happened that it was season opened. So the deer that I was really chasing, there were three in the group. It was Yadier, Benji, and Jose. And uh, about a week into the season, our neighbor killed one of the three. Luckily, it was the smallest of the three. Not luckily, but it was the smallest of the three. And uh, the one buck in particular, his name was Benji. He was a typical five on one side. And the other side was, I don't even know how to explain it. He had basically a triple split brow. And then like a dagger point off the base of his brows. It's about 13 inches that shoots off the back. And uh, that was the buck that I wanted to kill the most. And after after season rolled around, just disappeared off the camera in total. And so I ran about, that's about an 80 acre piece. I had about 10 cameras on that piece that I was moving around nonstop and uh, just trying to find him and never got another picture of him. And about three weeks into the season, I decided he was gone, moved on, you know, found another piece that he was going to call home for the fall. And, uh, so I moved my focus to another buck I called Daryl that showed up and, uh, yeah, like I said, stupid names. So Daryl was probably 140 inch, um, mainframe 10 and, uh, just a giant. So I kind of focused all my, all my time on him again, moving cameras around, hanging stands, just to try to kill that buck. And, uh, had my best friend up one morning. He had him at five yards, full draw, couldn't see his pins. Um, so I knew I was getting really close with him. So again, I was just focused on trying to kill that buck. 
and uh, rolls into the rut, gets to like, well, probably pre-rut. So last week of October, Bucks are kind of starting to feel some, you know, some testosterone, starting to feel themselves a little bit. And uh, there's a community scrape up on this one ridge. And so I got a couple cameras up there. There were some scrapes starting to open and got Daryl up there consistently. So I started hunting him more. And uh, one night, I guess it would have been probably October 25th, October 26th, somewhere right there. Um, Benji, the the one from the bachelor group with the uh, that dagger point, showed back up on that scrape. And it was the first time I'd seen him since the summer. And uh, I just about threw my computer through the wall when I was flipping through pictures because that wasn't <laughs> a cell cam. And uh, it was one of those that, like, you know how when you kill a big buck and you just get this urge to like launch your bow out of the stand, like you're just that excited, like you don't know. That's what I felt like when I saw that picture. And I was like, yo, he's back. Like we're in it. So next day, my, uh, my best friend, actually, he ended up killing a nine on one of our other properties that we have that scored, I think he scored 142. So one for PA, that's, that's a giant and you know where we're from, but two, you know, a mainframe nine pretty much netted out of 142. It's just, you know, that's a solid buck anywhere, to be honest. And uh so I helped him with that. That was uh that was actually also my one year anniversary with my girlfriend. Canceled our plans because you know I had to go help track this buck. She didn't get that, so we ended up breaking up because of it, by the way. So <laughs> side note. So the next day, so there was classic right so there was actually a cold front that was rolling through the next morning and so i was like you know what i'm just gonna go drown my sorrow sit in a stand for the day so i went up on that ridge where i had the camera where i got that picture and uh had a really good morning and didn't see didn't see that buck and so i climbed down quick went and got lunch got back up in the stand i left all my shit in the stand uh camera arm bow everything shouldn't have done that so I go grab lunch, get back up to the stand, and I'm sitting there for, I don't know, five or ten minutes. And I was like, you know, I didn't see any of those bucks this morning. I feel like I'm not in the right spot. And if I sit here and I end up getting a picture of one of those bucks with the camera where that scrape is, I'm going to be pissed. So I'm up there for five, ten minutes. I decide I get all my stuff back in my pack, I climb down, and uh, take all my stuff over, and I hang about. 75 yards to the north closer to where that camera is and i get up in the stand get all set up and i'm not sitting there for 15 minutes and these does come ripping through from the crp field and uh i was like all right so i stand up i get my stuff ready and next thing i know daryl the uh not the one with the dagger comes chasing these does through and uh He's chasing him around. He's probably 75 yards out and he ends up leaving. And I texted my buddy and I was like, Hey, you know, just saw Daryl first time I'd seen him on the hoop all year. And, uh, I was like, man, it was, you know, good encounter, whatever. He wasn't that close. So I grunt a little bit. And, uh, next thing I know he's on a beeline right to me. Uh, I was like, ha, this is going to happen two days. You know, my buddy killed last night. I'm going to kill tonight comes to about 35 yards and just one of those big buck things where it's like he knew something was off but he didn't know what and he just knew where to go 
and gets the 35 yards facing me. And I was like, I'm not shooting a final shot of 35. You know, I just not, not good. And uh, so he keeps coming and he's behind this tree and just decides, nope, turns 180 and walks directly away. And I was like, damn it. So I'm at the point now where I stall pretty much one of my top two target bucks comes into range, can't get a shot. And so I'm, you know, borderline about ready to jump out of the stand. You know how it goes when you're bow hunting, you go from like the highest to highs, you see the buck you want to kill. He's in range, hard parts done. You don't get a shot. And, uh, my buddy texts me back and he's trying to do what any good buddy would do. And he's like trying to talk me up and he's like, you know, you're going to kill, you're going to kill Benji tonight. And I was like, dude, I haven't even seen him all year. Like I've gotten him on camera a couple of times since the start of the season not going to happen. And uh, probably 10 or 15 minutes later, I heard a grunt and I looked over and he's standing at 45 yards. And I, it happened so fast that I don't, I don't think I had time to get like that pumped up before the shot. And uh, he walks into about 27 broadside and uh, I shoot and didn't get a pass through. And I was good left and like, I was good thought I was good left and right, but for some reason didn't get a pass through. And I'm like, I'm freaking out at this point. Like I just shot the buck that I had told myself before the season I was going to kill and uh, just elated. So I call my buddy, he comes up, we go over all the footage. And, uh, when I left, I didn't even go, I didn't check spot of impact. I just, I backed out, got around as quiet as I could, didn't want to bump him. And so we give him about two hours and go up and uh, there's blood everywhere, like spray on the trees everywhere. And I was like, I'm feeling good about this. And so we start the track and I don't know how I didn't see him fall. I don't know if I blacked out, but he probably went 50 yards and piled up. And if I said that I didn't cry, I would be a liar. <laughs> like, dude, I just lost it. Like, like I, said it was the first time in my life that I had really tried to target a specific buck let alone a buck that um was that special and dude I just lost it I was like dude we just killed two days in a row we both just killed at least four and a half year olds like that doesn't happen in Pennsylvania so we pretty much partied that night um had a great time and within a day I had five neighbors reach out that I hadn't heard from about deer since I don't know when I had them all reach out and be like, Oh, I had that buck on camera two days ago. You know, I've been on that buck all year. And that's one of the reasons in PA, like buck isn't yours because you have it on camera. Like I had them on camera every single day in the summer and shooting light. Like that's not my deer. Like, yeah, I targeted him, but I like, I can't stand when people get mad about it because like my neighbor would have shot it. Like that buck's on six, seven different farms. Like you don't know where he's going to go. Like as much as we want to say like, yeah, I had him pattern. He's on my, unless you have a primo piece of property. That's like the Drury's where you're holding deer for, you know, five, six years. Like that deer's going to do what it wants. And, uh, so I think that's one of the reasons that it was special is just like it came together. So fast forward that, that year in general was just fire. 2020 was for us. 
um, ton of bucks on camera. I passed a ton of bucks that most people in Pennsylvania would probably call me crazy for passing because I was just so set on these deer. And uh, 2021 rolls around. We start running cams, start trying to scout, and I don't have anything on camera. Like, I got no bucks that I'm, like, stoked about. So I start trying to get new properties. I land a couple smaller properties, start hunting. And uh, there was really only one buck that was on my hit list for the year. And uh, it was the day our company came out with a vaccine mandate that day, the first day that I saw him. And so I called him Vax. So I hunted that deer for probably two or three weeks. And uh, I saw him a couple of times, never got a shot opportunity. He wasn't anything super special, but it was the most mature deer that I had. And in PA, and I feel like anywhere in general, to be honest, like you hunt the best deer you have. And if that's a two and a half year old eight point, it's a two and a half year old eight point. But if it's the most mature deer, if it's the deer that you're set on, man, like go after him, give him all you got. And uh, so I was hunting him pretty hard and just ended up like he kind of disappeared. So went to another piece of property and uh, ended up hitting a deer that again, I really didn't have much history on this piece of property. I did a, a hanging hunt one night on a creek bottom. It was hot. And I was like, you know, these deer, they were standing corn. And I was like, these deer are going to go from the standing corn to the water. And uh, this buck came in and he got to 47. And I felt comfortable with it. And I was like, he's broadside. He's just feeding. Like, I'm good. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take a shot. And uh, I shot. And when I shot, I got a huge mule kick out of him. When he landed, his entire front side buckled. And from the footage and from the looks of it, I was like, man, I sent a punch him. Like, he's down. And uh, went over the footage with my buddy again. He agreed. So we went in and started tracking him. And not a lot of blood. Couldn't figure out. Like, we tracked him probably 500 yards. Decided we didn't want to push him. And based on the shot, it was one of those where he's either dead within 100 yards or he's going to go a long way. And we got to a certain point where we were like, look, we're just going to back out. We're going to come back in in the morning and track. And that night, we got about two and a half inches of rain. And so no blood. All of it got washed away. Called the tracking dog. Um, and the, the, the guy said, he's like, look, like, you got this much rain he's like rain is good for the tracking dogs but this much rain like good luck so dog gets on him we go i don't know another thousand yards probably we went a long way and uh couldn't find him and the guy basically said look like this deer's probably going to be fine like based on the footage that you showed me i'm assuming you probably got the front shoulder didn't get penetration through it he'll be fine and uh, I honestly wasn't, I wasn't cool with that. So I spent the next two days gridding the cornfields, gridding the creek bottom, never found the deer. And uh, I had a trip to Iowa for a week. So I had to leave the next day after I, I grid searched for about two days for Iowa. Went out there, we ended up killing out there. And uh, when I came back, we had about six days left to hunt in PA. And uh I still wasn't really getting anything great on camera, but I don't know, my ball's off anyways, still trying to hang cams, still trying to just find something. 
and couldn't do it. So um, when I checked a, a camera after I got back, you know, season had ended, I pulled some of my cameras. And when I was out in Iowa, one of the cameras was just lighting up with bucks, like more bucks than I'd seen all year. And one of them happened to be um, Yadier, who from the year past was in, he was the third buck in the basher group and the biggest buck at that point in the basher group from 2020. Um, just a mainframe eight in 2020, he probably would have gone 140, 145 as a solid, just straight eight point. Um, and I had a picture of him first time I'd seen him since the bachelor group in 2020, never got a picture of him during that season. Uh, never got a picture of him in the summer of 21, never got a picture of him during any time. And he showed up while I was in Iowa first time. And I was like, I don't even know where to start with this deer. Like I have no pattern on him this year. I don't know where he came from. I don't know where he's been. I'm sure he was just on a hot dough. But at this point in the season, I was like, look, like I had my chance. The only deer I'm shooting is that deer. Like you can hunt with a bow during rifle season in PA. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to go out and I'm just going to target this deer. Like I, I hit one. I didn't recover it. Um, you know, if I don't kill one, that's, that's my fault. I didn't execute when I should have. And, uh, so I hunted probably another two weeks with my bow and just couldn't, couldn't get it done past some smaller bucks again. And I was getting up. I hunted pretty much every morning. My job, I have a lot of flexibility. Like as long as I get my work done, I can do it whenever I need to. So I can pretty much hunt any morning that I want. So I was going out every morning. This property is about an hour from my house. So I'm getting up at like 3 a.m. every single morning, going out, hanging and hunting, trying to get this deer killed with my bow. Still hadn't seen him. And uh, we film all of our stuff. And so I'm like, I mean, you guys know how it is. Like you're lugging cameras, you're lugging sticks, you're lugging stand, your bow, everything. It gets like, it's tiring. Like, like as, as physically tiring as it is like mentally it's just like a drag sometimes and i got to the point one afternoon i was pretty much done with the season and i was like you know what like i'm gonna take a gun out and i've only ever killed to that point i had only ever killed two deer with a gun i killed my first buck when i was 11 with a gun and then I killed one while I was in college. I had taken my girlfriend out with me one night and I killed one with a gun. But other than that, every deer that I've ever killed was with a bow. I killed my first one when I was 11. And so I feel like my buddies and like people on Instagram and people that follow us, like that's how they see me. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm leaving all the camera gear at home. I'm leaving my bow at home. I'm just going to go out and have fun. Like I want to get back to like, actually enjoying it and just like hunting for me. And I went out that night and I actually had a conference call, uh, for work at three 30. And I was like, I'm just going to go out for a little bit. I'm going to sit in the blind, you know, I don't have to talk on the call. So, you know, I'll just like whip it up quick on our, like on my phone, just kind of enjoy myself out in the woods. And so the call was at three 30 and, uh, I may or may not have fallen asleep for a little bit in the blind. I wake up at like three. I was like, ah, I should probably get ready for this call. And uh, I, 
I look up out of the blind and I was like, yeah, you know, there's a couple of does. It's pretty early. So I'm getting ready to log on. I was like, I should probably do one more scan just to make sure. And I look up and that buck is standing at 75 yards broadside. And I was like, there's no way. Like, is that actually him? And uh, so I look at my phone, it's like 325. I was like, all right, I got five minutes to get this deer killed. So I pulled up. Um, and at this point, it's like, I got three minutes. So I got to get on this call. I call my buddy and I'm like, hey, um, I just want to let you know, like, I think uh, I think somebody had killed, somebody killed Yachty, Yachty here. And he's like, why like what what makes you say that somebody send you something and i was like because i just killed him dude (laughs) and he's laying dead in the he's laying dead and it's a crp field that's got like some lanes cut in it and so i'm like i I got two minutes so i hang up and i run out and you know i saw him go down i run down this lane i can't find him i'm like oh man so i run back to the blind turns out i ran down the wrong lane um and i see him laying there and i looked at him for about two seconds and i was like i don't like i want people to be here with me when i like pick him up so i left went back and uh got my dad and and my buddy came up at my call and told my dad i shot a doe i was like hey you know last day i just i felt like i needed to just kill kill something you know end the season on a high note kill the doe so we walk up and I let him like act, I acted like I didn't see a fall. And I was like, yeah, I shot somewhere right here. And, uh, we walk up and like the butts kind of laying out and he's like, Oh, there she is. And he goes, no way. And, uh, that's when I picked him up for the first time. And I realized like how big he was. And, uh, again, I had people out of the woodwork telling me that they had seen this deer for three years, that they were hunting him, blah, blah, blah. And I don't usually score deer, but, uh, this one, I was like, you know, I'm straight eight point. And I was like, I, I need to, I need to know. So I had my taxidermist rough score him and he's like, you got a guess. And I was like, uh, maybe 150. And, uh, turns out. He measured at 161 and some change as a straight eight. And uh, I didn't believe. So I went, I went down to the taxidermist again and I was like, we're going to measure him again. And uh, so we restarted the whole thing and 161 and some change again. So um, just an absolute giant of a deer. And honestly, three years in a row is special. But the cool thing about, about it is like all three bucks were such different like situations like the first year that i killed like my buddy basically set me up for it like i didn't really feel like i deserved that deer um obviously i put in the work shooting and stuff but the second year was just on fire i was on deer all year i was like i knew that they were there all year and then this past one was just a grind um and just trying to like find a deer basically and uh obviously I ended up shooting out with a gun but um yeah that's basically the last three years recapped in too short of a time but I mean I that's uh I'll take them three years for sure 
Um, I don't think anybody yeah. around here is going to be complaining about that. But um, it is cool that you um, did mention that there at the end that, you know, how each one was so different. And that's kind of like how Cody and I are really starting to discuss deer is just, um, you know, from one year to the next, at how a specific deer will change or how the different deer are, um, the different deer that we're chasing are different from each other in, in that perspective. Some deer are roamers you know they're they're going over two miles a day and then we have other deer that are literally just riding this little block of timber and not moving and um we're getting a lot of more a lot more um pictures of them and, and a couple encounters with them so it is cool to notice them subtle differences that happen from deer to deer did uh on two of the deer you said that you know you had the neighbors reaching out to you um saying that they were on cam and such that's one thing that um cody and i really enjoy is um after we do kill a buck and you know we do have that situation to learn from the neighbors or something and we've we said it on here before like when we do kill we learn like so much at that moment of like because we we were successful there um did you learn anything off the neighbors about that deer or um any of the other deer so yes and no um our one neighbor um so that particular farm um my dad actually he lives on the farm we don't own it um but you know i was kind of spoiled growing up it was a property that we have permission on that we just also happened to live on when i was growing up and uh, like i said from where i live now that's about an hour but um, we've gotten to know the neighbors really well. And one of them has reached out for both of the two the last two years. And uh, I've learned he's a jackass. Um, <laughs> he'll message me on Facebook every year that I kill one. And uh, I'm not going to name drop. But uh, he'll say without, without any doubt, it'll just say, what that buck score. Like, that's all <laughs> he cares about um won't share anything about deer that he's got in the summer won't like nothing like all he cares about is the score and like i said I, I did score this one from the last year but like i'm not into that like if a buck makes you happy like up and it's the biggest buck they've ever seen or they're jacked about it like i don't care if it's can't shoot a spike but i don't care if it's a spike like if, if you're jacked i'll be more jacked than you um but our other neighbor really good relationship with as far as sharing deer um a lot of the time this our our side of the property is in the crp program so there's no crops um so the food source is pretty much just browse and acorns and on his property he's got a bunch of food plots he's got a bunch of ag fields that kind of thing so you get a lot of deer that transition back and forth so we get a lot of the same deer and the last four or five years we've been on the same page as far as hey like we got this buck we got this buck like let's pass this buck um and we've really found that early in the year he kills usually within the first two weeks those deer that we see because he's got the food um and then usually we kill later in the year because we have a lot of the bedding because it's all crp so all the does hang in in the crp and then when it comes rut, post-rut time, you get a lot of the bucks that end up filtering back to us. Um, so it's been a little bit easier patterning deer. 
talking with the neighbors just because we've figured out, okay, like early season, like let's find somewhere else because all the deer are going to be over on him on food. Um, when it comes to rut, that's when we need to get in. And the other thing is like that way we don't overhunt our property. I say our property, but we don't overhunt that property early in the season thinking, Oh, we got these bucks on cam. Like they're killable, which if you have a deer pattern, maybe, but like, it's not worth burning the spot out if you know that they're going to be on the neighbor's early season. Um, so it's just kind of allowed us to, to utilize some different properties, try to find some new spots early season, and then really kind of dive in there. Like first virgin sits when it comes to rut time, when those bucks are actually going to be there. I kind of did the same thing you did on a buck. I called homeboy. Uh, I can't remember what year that was. That's probably a while ago. 17. Yeah. Yeah, it was I right before he started. Him. I had a ton of pictures of him. Had all the way up to season. When I pulled the cam, you know, three or four days before season, he was still there. Literally have pictures of him in his bed, laid down, put a camera up high, shooting down. Um, was all over him. Thought I was going to kill him opening day. Went in there in the morning and never seen that deer. And then he left and I ended up killing him in the rut. And he, I never got another trail cam picture of him. And the year before that, he stayed on that property the whole entire year, um, never left, uh, summered there, followed there. I seen him like eight times, got both of his sheds, like he was just there. So me going in that one time early season, um, and I think it was the last trail cam pool that I did. And cause he wasn't, he was on that trail cam a lot less you know that five days before season i uh, went in there pulled that trail cam and then that first hunt bumping him or whatever and he was gone so i know you kind of had the same similar on your story on your second buck where you know it was early you thought you had him and then i think it's really hard to do that unless you got a buck like pickles and that's an evening buck where you can go in there and he's just going to a food source in the evening like but I mean, I don't know how long we've been hunting. We've never had a buck like Pickles. We had sunshine, but he he flaked on us, you know. For three weeks, but yeah. Pickles held true, like, so. Well, that's, like, that, that's a tough thing that I've found. Like, we're starting to run more and more cell cams. And, like, like, I know you guys are younger. Like, I'm only 25. So, like, I'm building my camera inventory. But, like, so, like half of the cameras that I have are, like, wild game cameras that I got, like, you know, three years ago before I could afford to buy some, some nicer stuff. So, but that's the one thing I've noticed about like cell cams is, you know, you're getting pics of these bucks, you know, consistently in the daylight before the season or even in season. And you're like, ah, oh, he's daylight. I got to get in there. Well, the reason he's daylight in there is because you're not going in. Mm -hmm. So like the minute you go in to try to hunt him, all of a sudden something different. And, you know, these mature bucks, especially like in PA where it's so pressured, um like they know that difference like whether it's wind or thermals like they know so you might have them on camera consistently but that doesn't mean that they're huntable they're in there consistently right now for us because we're not in there checking cameras we're not in there you know jacking around and the moment you go in if it's not right or if he's bedding on a hillside where he can see like he's out of there and it only takes one or two times. Like I know guys are into like the bump and dump stuff right now, but like on our pieces of property, 
most of these big mature bucks, like you mess it up one or two times, like he's gone. And, you know, a lot of the neighbors hunt, a lot of like chances of you killing him just went way down. So I think understanding like the property itself is a huge part of it. Like just because you have him on camera consistently doesn't mean that he's killable right now. Like he might be there, but that doesn't mean that that's the time to kill him. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the last three years, like the last buck sound like that was like just a hard work buck. You know, you had a mishap, kept hunting, kept pushing, you know, and went a lot of times that's what happens. Like we were, I was having a tough year. Um, and then decided to take my kid hunting and didn't really worry about the camera gear and didn't do much. And then you kill, you know? So that's, yeah. that's a lot of times that's when it happens when you're just out there, like, Oh, it's not going to happen. We're coloring in the blind. We're loud as hell. We're got in late, haven't seen anything, you know, and then boom, you end up killing something. But sometimes I think it was supposed to, it was meant to happen like that. You know, you're meant to have that moment, not worried about the camera, you know, get you jacked back up after the mishap i was supposed to have that moment with my boy instead of what you know so he was looking out the window instead of me worrying about the camera stuff stuff like that's supposed to happen i think well and the one yeah the one thing i learned was like after 2020 so the second buck that i talked about like i had said after that season i like that's the hardest i've worked for a buck like but then after 21 like i realized like they were two different types of a grind like 2020 like I hunted my ass off all year, but I was close all year. Like I, like I knew that I was close. I was seeing good bucks. I was passing really good bucks. And, uh, like I knew I was right there. Like in every sit, I was like, this could be the one, like I'm in it. And then 21, like I worked, like I hunted the same amount, but it was a different kind of grind. Like it was a hard two kind of grind that like after it was over, I was like, man, that was like, that was worthwhile. Um, so they were different. And to be honest in 21, like I wouldn't be going out that much and getting myself up that early and working that hard if I didn't love it. But it got to the point where like, I was just going out at it like desperation almost. And that break from like the camera and the break from like feeling like there was pressure on me from everybody to get one killed. And just going out and hunting, like, for the reason that I started, I was like, I just want to go out and just enjoy, like, being out. Like, mm -hmm. ditch everything. Like, I don't really care, like, if I get the film or not. I don't care what people say. Like, I just want to go out and have fun. Yeah. And uh, it ended up happening, and I don't know if that's fate or what, but. Yeah, when, when you're used to packing all that shit in, like, you know, all three of us on this call are, and, you know, it, it starts becoming a chore, especially when shit's not coming together, it's not clicking, um, and then you throw a mishap on, on top of it and then you really don't think it's going to be happening and then it's late in the ball game and you're like, shit, man, we only got 10 days left and, um, it starts to wear on you and I'll say like, you know, it is refreshing to go out there for, you know, maybe two hunts in a row, just you out there chilling again and really clear your head and you're like, you realize how much time, you know, running a camera in a tree occupies when you don't have it. Cause you're like, Oh man, if, if I had a camera, I'd be like trying to film some shit or something. Like I'm just out here doing nothing right now. You know, I'm just enjoying, enjoying myself, enjoying the sit. And, um, 
then when you are sitting there and you have all the, all that extra time, like you get to really reflect on like why you're doing it. Think back to a hunt or something, you know, where you did get a kill on film and, you know, you get to relive it and be like, okay, you know, reset here. I'm good to go. And, you know, next time and then, and then get another good push in. So it is refreshing. And I think it is something that you do have to do if it, if it becomes too taxing, you know, just to keep going. Yeah. I mean, it is a lot of work, like, lugging all that shit in and like filming and stuff but like when it does pay off like both bucks that i killed like the first two stories like i got great film it all came together and like watching that with buddies and like like for a couple reasons like one you can see the shot you can figure out like okay how long do i need to give that deer blah 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 Mm -hmm. but like it's so cool going back like three four you know however many years later and getting to watch it and see that genuine reaction of like your excitement like you can feel it again um and i'm like unfortunately i won't get to to feel that with this last one that i killed but like at the same time i was so invested in that moment because like there was no camera like i was just out there me and the deer like i was in the moment like i wasn't worrying about is he in frame um and it's just like like i don't need to watch it like I, I got it. Um, and yeah, like it, it was different for me. It was the first one that I killed not on film in a long time. And, um, I didn't like my buddy that I filmed with, like, he wasn't upset. He's like, dude, like you needed that. And that was just like almost reassuring. Like, all right, like we're good. You, uh, kind of wrap it up here you talked about filming you guys have a youtube channel um that our listeners could go check it out or instagram or anything where this content's at yeah well not the one from this past year but uh yeah every other hunt so it's a uh, tnt outdoors um and uh we have some some stuff on there and then uh we did a year where we gave some of our film to a group named rack daddies and uh Axel does a bunch of editing and stuff for Major League Bow Hunter, Solo Hunter, um, uh, Matt Buspis, who, you know, I'll keep my opinions to myself on that one, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he, does a, he does a phenomenal job of editing stuff. And we were like, you know, we got some good footage this year. Like, we're going to let you play with it and run with it. So we got some cool stuff over there. Um, we did a pheasant hunt with our bows. Um, so some cool stuff over there, but yeah, TNT outdoors, you can see pretty much all of our white hunts, turkey hunts, um, different states, road trips, stuff like that. Nice. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode talking about some PA buck action. Um, like I said, he has killed nine bucks in multiple different states. Iowa, I know, is one of them he was mentioning. I know there's a couple more we didn't get into. But uh, an absolute killer hunter coming up in the game, learning. Um, really enjoys listening to our podcast. It was cool for him to, to talk about some of the episodes that he really liked um, and liked our style of uh, how we keep it loose and rolling out here. Um, like always, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you tuning in every week. Um, we can see it in the numbers and everything. People are starting to think about whitetails a little bit more every every week. Um, so we appreciate you guys being here. And uh, we're going to keep bringing the content um, every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time right in your ear holes. Um, 
always try to do the right thing. Uh, try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out. <laughs>